This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Yes, yes. It's a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving week. Hope that you are getting ready for a beautiful Thanksgiving and praying for those one in four Americans who will not be able to a, to prepare a Thanksgiving meal for themselves. Please check churches and shelters and um, and get a meal. But also those of you who you might think someone might need a little something, please be kind to them. Please be kind. Uh, it means so much. So many people are living in their cars. So many people are homeless. So many people are near homeless. Uh, people are struggling out here, and we just need to be kind to one another. I'm Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio. We've got a fast-moving show today. We want to talk with you about this horrific killing at this gay nightclub out in Colorado. Uh, what happened there, and why are crimes against, hate crimes against our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ plus community. Why are they on the rise? What's going on, everybody, in America? And we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is really at low ebb. More and more Americans mistrust them. They think they're politicized. They do not feel that they're fair dealers. And now we find out that there has been a real right-wing push, surprise, surprise, on the court. You know, a lot of Backroom dealing, talking with the Supreme Court justices about different cases, abortion and things like that, as they move uh, their decisions far to the right. And so now people are wondering about an ethics probe. I mean, no one is able to check the Supreme Court. You can't check the justices. I mean, Clarence Thomas and all the rest of the justices, quite frankly, they weigh in on any case that they choose. Is that right? You tell me. I mean, wait a minute. You, everybody, but they can be impeached, but they're never impeached. I mean, that rarely, rarely, rarely happens. Maybe once in a couple hundred years. So I want to know from you, um, what about the Supreme Court? We're going to talk about this latest case that the New York Times just broke. And then, why is Georgia still so important? Yeah, they said the Democrats, and the Democrats did maintain a bare majority in the U.S. Senate, but they still need Georgia. That next vote coming out of Georgia gives them the cushion to check Senators Manchin and Cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that's this is power politics, everybody. So don't talk to me about Herschel Walker and his qualifications. People don't care about that. They put a potato in that seat. If they can get, if the right wing can get out of that potato, what it is that they need. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very serious. So we need to just really, really be honest and be clear on what we're dealing with here. So I want to hear from you today. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCBT. Let's talk about, first up at the bottom of the hour, um, this tragedy in Colorado. What is going on? What is going on uh, with these attacks on uh on our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community. Indeed, at this club, they were going to have, uh, they were going to be honoring um, and memorializing 
transgender, our transgender brothers and sisters. And some people are wondering about that. And, of course, uh, the grandfather of the suspect, of the man who was apprehended, who was killing everybody, the 22-year-old, his father's prominent politician out there. Um, And, indeed, a prominent supporter of Donald Trump's. I would not pin that all on Donald Trump. I don't want to do that. But it's just very interesting, the profile that I was reading in the Daily Mail about about this gentleman's grandfather. So we're going to be talking about that today. What possessed him to go into that club and just wearing body armor? Now, if you're going to go in there and kill people, why do you need body armor? Now, if you man up, woman up, which if, you're going, if you're going to shoot a bullet, then you need to be able to take one. Yes, I said that. Yes. And I'm nonviolent. But goodness gracious, these people go in, will, go in trying to murder people, and that's what they do. But they don't want to get hurt. Are you serious right now? Oh, unbelievable. It is Monday, November 21st, 2022. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today on this cold day in Chicago, the winter is here, y'all. Ooh, and if you have seen me, I have looked like the snow bunny, and I am serious about it. In Chicago, we're going to have a high, though. 44 degrees is going to warm up today. It's going to be sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 31 degrees. Oh, mostly sunny, though. And the NFL, look, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. Oh, the Bears. I mean, Pam Morris-Walton, you said they lost by the same number of points that they lost last week. I mean... I have field goal. <laughs> Falcons 27, the Bears 24. I mean, and it was tied. They were tied up right, right up until the end. Unbelievable. God bless them. But wow, we're feeling a little bit better than everybody up in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Matt, I'm so sorry about what happened with this massacre of the Vikings. Cowboys 40, the Vikings 3. Ooh. Well, in the NBA, the Celtics will be facing off against the Bulls and the Heat will be facing off against the Timberwolves. And Kyrie Irving has returned to the Brooklyn Nets, everybody. In the NHL, the Penguins, five, Chicago, three. Call me at 773-763-9278. I want to hear what you're going to be doing for Thanksgiving, everybody. I want to hear what you're going to be doing for Thanksgiving. Details are still rolling in after a mass shooting at an LGBTQ plus nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado this past weekend. A 22-year-old gunman allegedly killed. He was apprehended at the club by two brave attendees at the club, everybody. He killed five people and injured at least 25 others when he opened fire at Club Q just before midnight on Saturday. He was subdued, and he's now in police custody. He has a history of violence. Police confirmed he was arrested in June of 2021 after a standoff at a home where his mother lived after he threatened his mother. Wow, he made a bomb threat while there and, and other threats of violence. The shooting has shaken the area's LGBT community, but not just there, but all over the country. We're going to be talking about that with Dr. David Johns in just a few minutes. According to, according to residents, Club Q was a second home full of chosen family for the LGBTQ community in Colorado Springs, the, sec, the state's second largest city. And I think it's very important to, to acknowledge that Colorado's governor, is uh, Jared Polis, is the nation's first openly gay governor. God bless the people of Colorado. The World Cup has begun, everybody. The 2022 World Cup is underway in Qatar. 
set against a backdrop of controversy regarding the country's human rights record. In the years and months leading up to the event, critics have cast a wary eye on Qatar's treatment of migrant workers, its laws around homosexuality and attitudes toward women in society. Workers who built the infrastructure for the event have described extremely difficult conditions, unpaid wages, and several deaths among their ranks. Some players and countless soccer fans have spoken out about their belief that the sport should be inclusive, a sentiment they say runs counter to Qatar's laws. So we're going to see how this all works out. President Biden, for his portion, offered himself up to uh, to our team, to America's team, and said we're pulling for them, everybody. Elon Musk reinstated former President Donald Trump. I want you all to call me about that. Because he went to his followers and said, you let me know. Should I let him back on? Yes or no? Overwhelmingly, they said bring him back on. So he reinstated former President Donald Trump's Twitter account over the weekend, continuing his wave of controversial decisions as the social media platform's new owner in the aftermath of the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Former President Trump, then President Trump, was banned from Twitter and several other platforms on the grounds of inciting violence, everybody. So now he is back. Will he tweet? He hasn't done that yet. If he returns to Twitter, where he held significant influence during his presidency, it could change the course of the 2024 election. So we'll see what's going to happen, everybody. House Republicans are planning next year's leadership after winning control of the chamber in the midterm elections. Current House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is poised to take over as Speaker of the House, but it is not a done deal, everybody. And so we're going to see what's going to happen. GOP Representative Adam Kinzinger lambasted McCarthy on Sunday, saying that he doesn't think that McCarthy will last long as Speaker and will have to cut deals that will divide the Republican majority. We're going to see. It is going to be a very, very, very interesting time. In the meantime, we've got some good news from our gospel sister. That's right. And we've got to get her on here to talk about this book. If you see her, you would see that she's a miracle. You would never know that she's the recipient of a heart transplant. And you've got to get her book, 57 Days, Wait for a New Heart. I remember when you had just had it, and I saw you walking with your wonderful husband, Mr. Walton, just getting you through the airport. I remember getting off the plane with you at Midway. And I said, I'm going to pray for Pam, but this woman is a woman of such great spiritual power. I know that she's going to make it, but God sent her a helpmate. I know that's what we do, a helpmeet. He did do that. And he has been by your side every day. And we love Mr. Walton so much, but we love you. We thank God for restoring your health and for being a testimony, a living testimony of God's power. God bless you. What is the good news today? And happy Thanksgiving, my dear gospel sister and mentor. (laughs) (laughs) And happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm wishing all of your incredible viewers and listeners a blessed Thanksgiving. I am. And today, Santita, it's about examining yourself. Examining yourself. I believe, I believe, now this is Pam, I believe there are Three questions that sometimes can haunt us. Um, Our deepest desire is that the answer would always be yes. The answer would always be yes. And question one, did I do the right thing? I hear you speak about what is going on 
and what has been going on, what just went on um, in Colorado. Do did I do the right thing? Am I doing the right thing now? O.W. Will I do the right thing? Certain scriptures, certain scriptures, everybody, certain scriptures spoke to me and got my attention. It, it got my attention and it took me out of uh, denial. It took me, Pam, out of denial. Corinthians challenged me by stating, examine yourself. That's, that's in the Bible, those two words, in the book of Corinthians. And in the book of of Timothy, it encouraged me. One examined me, and the other encouraged me. I want to encourage you this morning, everybody. Stir up the gift that is in thee. Stir up the gift that is in thee. Now, this is what I think we need to do to do that. In order to examine yourself and stir up that gift and pursue your worthy goal of accomplishing something and having a meaningful life, having a meaningful life, everybody, begin to ask yourself some of these questions. Are you excited to get up in the morning? Mm. Are you excited to get up on the, in the morning? I'm on God's wake-up list every morning, everybody, with Mario's heart. Happy about your life now. Are you happy? This is Thanksgiving week. Are you happy about your life right now? Do you have a purpose in your life to which you are committed? What are you proud about in your life? What are you proud about? We're talking about examining yourself and stirring up the gift that is in thee. What, what, what do you love? What do you love? And who do you know for sure loves you? Hmm. Fear, what guilt, what anger and on to that you need to let go? Are you using your talents? Are you using your talents and abilities? Do you feel that what you are doing right now is rewarding? Do you really believe you're helping somebody? Rewarding to yourself. Do you think where you are right right now is wonderful? Are you happy with your health? I am. Are you happy with your health? Do you look forward to the future with confidence? Do you look forward to the future? This is, this is November. Santina said this is November the 21st. We don't have that many more years and more days than this year, everybody. Mm-hmm. So do you look forward to the future with confidence? I want to say this morning, stir up the gift that is in thee and examine yourself. Thank you, Santina. Amen to that. That's right. We're almost in 2023. Where did the year go? But where did you go? Where are you? Who are you? Oh, everybody, get the book. 57 Days. Wait for a new heart. It is going to bless you. I'm going to have her back on so she can talk about it. I love you, Pam Morris Walton. I love you, love love you, love you. you. Happy Thanksgiving. That's right. And And the same to you. 
Nothing. Happy Thanksgiving. Nothing. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Not this woman. Dr. Shanina Knighton is joining us, of course, infection preventionist, indeed one of the world's leading uh, authorities in that field. And we're so glad that she's with us today, Thanksgiving week, uh, trying to figure out how we can stay safe, how we can be healthy in this holiday season, Dr. Knighton. Good morning. How are you? It's great hearing your voice. Yeah, likewise. I was going to say I'm um, hoping things slow down a little bit this week. Um, but excited and hoping that it's slowing down enough for people to really put things in perspective in regards to um, health and safety. Um, I more so want to spend time talking about individuals that are vulnerable. Um, it's something that many of us take for granted because... We assume that just because we get a cold or we get an illness, that those around us also can recover from them in a manner for which we do. And it's things that we take for granted. And I had an interesting comment that was made on my page, and I haven't responded yet um, because it's like, how do you respond? But when a gentleman said, you know, I'm cuddling my six-month-old that has RSV, we have to do better. And those were his words, because there was a awareness of accountability that they are that child's protector, and that the only way for which that baby got sick was for what it is that they exposed that child to. It's the same thing with older adults. It's the same thing with individuals that are immunocompromised. If we know that we are out here during the holiday season, still engaging with others, Still, you know, let's say not wearing a mask in unknown settings, still touching surfaces and not cleaning our hands, we have to recognize that we are very much so putting individuals at risk that we love. And I also hate to say it, but when deaths occur, it happened around the holiday season for many reasons. Um, life does happen, and no, I'm not God. But when we talk about influenza, when we talk about COVID-19, when we talk about a cold that ended up turning up to the worst into pneumonia or something more serious, it typically happens during the cold months because we know that cold, we know that viruses love this type of weather. Hmm. And so it's important for us to recognize what are the things that we should absolutely be doing. That is making sure that provided the resources, you are cleaning your hands as much as possible. It means that when individuals are coming into your space, that you are asking them to abide by your infection prevention and control protocols that you had a heightened awareness of and was doing diligently back in March of 2020 when we didn't know what was going on. So I just remind people to go back to what that feeling was when you were thinking about how can I keep my loved ones safe but still be around them. Go back to those hand hygiene practices. Make sure you're still setting up your hand hygiene stations at home. Make sure that you're still screening individuals that will come inside of your space. Make sure that you are aware that if you want individuals to come into your home and wear masks, that you are asking them to do so and that you are asking them to do so properly. Make sure that if someone will be in your home and you're going to have an overabundance of company, 
which again is not advised, but we understand that we are human, is making sure that you're cleaning down doorknobs and commonly touch surfaces that more than one individual will come in contact with. It is also making sure that if you're around children and their nose is running, making sure that the parent not only just wipes their nose, but making sure that they wash their hands behind. Remember, there is a saying that literally if a kid has a cold, then they give us pneumonia or the flu. So it's ensuring that we are keeping our germs to ourselves and it's making sure that others keep their germs to themselves. You know what? Tomorrow, <laughs> because I just see I see this happening during 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 our during our holiday gatherings. Tomorrow, could you talk to us about what our Thanksgiving dinner should look like? You know what the environment should look like. You know the hand the hand sanita- sanitization stations, all of that. We need to know from you just what it should look like. Loving you, Dr. Shanina Knighton. Hey, Dr. Nina, that's her handle. Let's talk about what happened in Colorado, everybody, back on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. We're going to be talking about this shooting, this murder, this murderous spree at the LGBTQ plus nightclub, Club Q, out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. What happened? As we're watching uh, crimes against our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters escalate all across the country. What's happening, everybody? What's happening? What's happening? But we're going to be talking with Dr. David Johns about it. Indeed, a great freedom fighter. Um, he is... Uh, the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition, uh, but his um, while he advocates for the LGBTQ community, the Black LGBTQ plus community, but he has always worked in the civil rights space, and so I'm so glad to welcome him to the show today. But before we get right to him, it's Thanksgiving week. Are you taking any more orders, Shapiro? No, Santita, we are closed for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you say we you have, are done. Uh, reached our limit, yes. We have reached our limit, but after Thanksgiving, we'll be rolling right into Christmas, so you can get your Christmas orders in starting next week. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your turkey, your, your mac and cheese, your greens, your green beans, as well as also your uh, masacholi, your Cajun pasta, as well as also our sweets, which are sweet potato pie, our red velvet cake, caramel cake, German chocolate cake, whatever it is that you need for your holiday needs. Don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Oh, love it, love it, love it. I can hear you a little tired. You've been cooking, cooking, cooking. I can tell. I can't can hear it. Take care of yourself and get you a little bit of rest as everyone is getting those great, great, great vittles from uh, from Shapurl at Celebrations by Us. Everybody, what happened? There was a mass shooting that killed at least five people and injured at least 25 others on Saturday night, just before midnight in Colorado Springs, Colorado. What happened? Why did this happen? And it happened just before uh, they were going to celebrate transgender 
remembrance, a day of remembrance. That was to have happened hours later uh, on Sunday. So let's talk about this. What happened at the club? Thankfully, two of the uh, attendees at the club apprehended this 22-year-old young man. Um, We need to know what is going on. He walked in in body body armor, wielding an AR-15, and then commenced a shooting. And in less than two minutes, killed five people and injured at least 25 others. You know, and all of this back and forth about not mentioning his name, I don't agree with that. I think you need to know who did what. I think you need to find out who their families are. I think you need to know all of those things because they have a story, right? I mean, they he has a story. So let's talk about that with Dr. David Johns. Dr. David Johns, indeed, the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition. Uh, Dr. Johns, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you're back with us today. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate the invitation uh, and hate the topic, but I'm happy to be here. I hate the topic. What happened? What, 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 as far as you, as far as you know, as far as these press reports, it just, it's just, it's unfathomable to me. This 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich, I don't know what his thinking came from. And I, and I think that we need to understand uh, these people have names. Unlike many other shows, I believe in calling their names, understanding who they are. I, I want to know who is your mother, who is your father, what is the environment in which you, uh, from which you spring. He comes from at least his grandfather um, is someone who is conservative, um, whatever that means. Because I think we're all a mix of many things. But talk to me, what what happened, and, and what do you think about this particular crime as we're, as we're watching? Uh, hate crimes. This is now, they're saying that we should see this through the lens of a hate crime. What is a hate crime, and why should we look at this through that lens? Uh, So specifically, a hate crime is one that is motivated by ignorance, uh, fear, uh, stigma, or phobia of people who are members of a sexual minority community. Uh, We should be clear that as long as there have been black people specific to the audience that we're talking about um, and or that I work for and are the people that I love, as long as there have been black people, we've been beautifully and incredibly diverse. Um, And as a writer, I love Sambufu Some who says that in my village of West Africa, while the words lesbian and gay didn't exist, the word gatekeeper did. So I just want to underscore a point you made in your introduction, which is that um, I have an opportunity now to to lead LGBTQIA plus um, inclusion work and and that has always been civil rights work. I submit for folks who might question that the legacy of Byron, who's the architect of the, the modern march on Washington, who introduced pacifism to so many of our leaders and who did so much more. Um, I also want people to appreciate that this is not an isolated incident. Um, I was just in Philadelphia at a convening of black male educators uh, reminding the community that uh, in 2016, uh, on June 13th, I took a train from uh, after producing the first ever White House summit for African-American LGBTQ plus youth. Um, and I hopped on a train to Philadelphia because he woke up at the day after the summit ended uh, to the Pulse nightclub massacre. Um, on June 12, 2016, a 29-year-old gunman wounded nearly 60 people. Um, I say that to say these are not isolated incidents. 
Um, I say that to say that uh, while we may never understand fully the uh, motive or the mindset of, of the gunmen, uh, we know the conditions um, that help to create them. So my, my last point is this. Um, I spent a lot of time over the weekend before this incident um, thinking about um, white folks. Um, who and, and others who love and uphold white supremacy. Um, and there's an organization, Moms for Liberty, that was founded in Florida, backed by Ron DeSantis, um, who, um, after being um, incredibly strategic, was able to um, be appointed to the school board in South Carolina, Berkeley County, um, engage in a political witch hunt, hire, uh, rather, fire a black school board um, leader, um, a ban critical race theory, which everyone should know is not taught in elementary schools. It hasn't been. Uh, it's something that a few people, including myself, who has a, a someone who has a PhD, studies it. Uh, but they did these things to ensure that cultures that allow people to fear and hate that and those which they don't understand persist. Um, and they're doing so knowing that their state support. Um, for people to have access to guns, including those who have violated existing standards that are supposed to make us safer, um, um, and because there's still so much more work to do so that we put um, people over uh, socially constructed identities um, or over guns uh, in, in this instance. We're talking with Dr. David Johns uh, about this murderous spree that this young man, 22 years of age, 22 years of age, Anderson Lee Aldrich, that he went on. It turns out last year uh, he was arrested because uh, he threatened his mother with a homemade bomb and other weapons last June. Um, and yet there was the record of what he attempted to do with sketching. We do know, according to this Daily Mail report, that his grandfather is allegedly Randy Vopel, who is a Republican state lawmaker in the California State Assembly. I believe in calling these people's names, Dr. Johns, because I want to know who they are. There was a documentary that predates you and me uh, about... Uh, about, I think it was Malcolm X back in the 60s, and it was entitled The Hate That Hate Produced, which, of course, was not Malcolm X, but, you know, seeing uh, black hurt, black anger, black disappointment is something that has always been very unsettling uh, to white people. But I think we have to mature in our politics and and hear and understand black and brown and indigenous and uh, and Asian and all of the... <laughs> and LGBTQ+, plus, all the people, everybody's got a bad name <laughs> except them. <laughs> so I think you need to just, we need to grow up in our politics and grow up in it spiritually so that we can understand the pain that is caused by people. I'm trying to figure out how a 22-year-old will walk, would walk into a club, Dr. Johns, body armor, AR-15-style rifle, and just start shooting people. Having had a prior incident the year before, help me with that. And I mean, and what is what? What kind of environment produces this twenty-two-year-old? I don't understand that. Um, uh, environments that are framed and formed to preserve and perpetuate white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism. Um, uh, environments that. Um, allow elected leaders at every level to uh, redraw district boundaries, to hoard power, 
to prevent people from exercising their right to vote. Um, environments that um, allow angry moms who are upset at mask mandates um, and other attempts to keep children safe uh, in the midst of unprecedented pandemics uh, on top of enduring pandemics like white supremacy, who then um, organize into groups like Moms for Liberty and make it difficult for competent educators who actually understand child development uh, to do their job. Um, and states where attorney generals uh, weaponize and criminalize laws um, to put in prison parents and caregivers who prioritize care um, for their children over uh, people's personal um, feelings that are rooted in ignorance and hate. Um, um, those are the conditions that, that create um, gunmen um, and, and, and that allow for um, routine shootings in schools um, and other places like clubs that should be safe spaces. I'm still not <laughs> understanding. I really, I, I don't, under, I don't understand how someone goes into a club. He's willing to kill you, but he doesn't want. But he's protected himself from getting shot. He walked in with, with body armor on, Doctor Johns. Well, well, yeah, but yes, yes, and a part of this is you're not going to understand this because you're a, a logically minded, rationally thinking uh, person who believes in, in humanity. But when we step back from the contemporary ways in which we, as black folk, FLX, um, are fighting against uh, mutated forms of white supremacy, um, we understand that folks who don't see us as few, full beings, who don't believe that we deserve humanity, the same folks that have weaponized Black Lives Matter and convinced some black folks to defend their lives not mattering um, is a thing. Um, I was reading this morning, or rereading rather, Toni Morrison, who talks about words as things and um, uh, uh, acknowledging that we're still struggling to allow black folks to name themselves in ways that are affirming um, none of the ways in which people, um, white people in this instance, but also all my skin folk, ain't my kin folk, um, but people not valuing the full humanity of others um, should not confound us. It is something that is baked into the very fabric of our country's being. Well, you know, we're talking with Dr. David Johns, Executive Director, National Black Justice Coalition, indeed one of the, uh, on the part of the new vanguard of the civil rights movement. Yes, he does advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, specifically the black LGBTQ plus community, because they need defending, they need to be seen. But uh, I've seen him just, it just broadly integrate this into the civil rights space. And I guess that's something I'm sensitive to, Dr. Johns, because I know people would laugh when Reverend Jackson ran for president the first time in 1983, the first time that the gay community had a desk in a presidential campaign was in the Jackson campaign. And so I always saw all of our rights interlocked, you know, interwoven, you know, one, I mean, because we had a president at that time who did not even mention AIDS. He did not mention AIDS, President Reagan, until 1986. We were six or seven years into that tragedy before he even said the word AIDS. So I'm just trying to figure out how it is. Um, 
I mean, because I've seen at least one person who spoke about what happened, and it was it was an African American man. Was this was this racially motivated at all? Was were there a lot of black people at the club that night, or do you know anything about that? About who was there? That we do not know. Um, I want to point people. There is a black um, Leslie Herod, L E S L I E H E R O D, is a black a queer a Colorado state representative, a candidate for Denver mayor. Um, she's a member of the National Black Justice Coalition's Good Trouble Network, uh, named in the spirit and legacy of our uh, brother leader, Congressman um, John Lewis. Um, but I want to encourage you to follow her. She's on the ground um, at its closest with regard to proximity. Um, at this point, we do not know if there were uh, black people who were um, killed, who were either victims, one of the five people we know who were uh, murdered, or um, one of the nearly 20 people um, injured, a third of which um, have gunshot wounds. Uh, what we do know is what you said earlier, which is that Club Q um, is, has been um, heretofore a safe space for LGBTQIA plus people. Um, but note here, which is that I use same gender loving, not gay, because gay is a white male identifier. Um, but we also know as you noted, that um, um, this weekend, Sunday in particular, was Trans Day of Remembrance. Um, this past week was Trans uh, Week, uh, uh, Trans Awareness Week, um, and so those things are what are allowing uh, local officials, in particular uh, law enforcement, uh, to use the classification of a hate crime. But we do not know specifically to answer the question the uh, racial or ethnic constitution of the victims thus far. We- well, you know, I was asking about the hate crime because, you know, oftentimes law enforcement, um, and I think correctly, they are a little, they're very cautious about uh, saying that they're investigating a crime as a hate crime. But immediately, immediately, uh, law, the law enforcement community said, no, we are looking at this through that lens. We're not calling it a hate crime yet, but we are looking at it through that lens. Let ask you this um, just a, because they were going to have a transgender day of rem- remembrance um, uh, ceremony function uh, celebration if you will at the club later on on Sunday um, and and you said last week was what was it in relation to the transgender community trans awareness week what don't we know? I mean, what? Because you know, we we fear what we don't know, right? Yeah. So what don't um, we know? Three things. One is um, I want to push on something you said earlier in love, which is that Black LGBTQIA plus folk um, don't need to be saved. We need to be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, too often, people think about Black folk or what it means to be black in this country or through the diaspora, um, the work of white supremacy erases us, or compels people to ignore us. Um, And so what we need is for folks to appreciate that um, we've always been here, uh, a part of the community, um, uh, not only in the spaces that people sometimes joke about, like the uh, choir director or the makeup artist, um, but in every facet of how we show up and take up space and, and, and shift culture. Um, that's one. The second thing is that there has been a significant, in my lifetime, progress with regard to um, acceptance and recognition and support of um, a gay, bisexual, to, to a lesser extent, lesbian folk. 
there's still so much more work to do around transgender and gender nonconforming um, and gender non-binary members of our um, community. Um, yesterday, Transgender Day of uh, Remembrance or Resilience is important in part because um, every year for at least the last six years, um, black women have been disproportionately murdered, experienced what, what, what is called fatalistic violence. And too often members of our community don't even know their names. Um, uh, people still to this day um, reference, rightfully so, George Floyd, uh, who was murdered by the state. Um, but the same week that George Floyd was murdered, a black trans man named Tony McDay was murdered by the Tallahassee Police Department. I say all of this to say something that is, is not mine. It's a lesson that I learned from Fannie Lou Haber, which is that a lesson until all of us are free, none of us are free. And so for folks who really believe in and purport to love black people, you have to love all of us, which includes those of us who are members of sexual minority communities. Well, you know, I guess I was, you know, and correct me when, whenever I am not on point because I'm not a member of the community. So at, as things evolve, they're things that I miss. One thing that I have not missed is that I grew up in an environment, Dr. Johnson, which I grew up with everybody. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the civil rights movement. I knew, praise the Lord, uh, uh, Bayard Rustin um, and so many other people who were not out necessarily, but they were out to their friends when we just knew them. And they were embraced. They were accepted. And so a lot of the... The pushback that I hear discussed in the black community while we have our problems, quite frankly, is something that I just have not seen. But I want to know how can we get from where we are just generally as a society to where we need to be? Um, because what happened on Saturday night, um, like you said, it's not an isolated incident. This is something that happens far too often, um, whether it's in aggregate or whether it's individual. Where do we go from here? Um, I hope you hear my heart when I say that I love and appreciate you um, and, and the way in which you show up to have these conversations. The easiest thing to do is to not ask the question that you just asked mm -hmm. um, or to hope to have um, uh, this conversation about this incident and how it provides us as a community um, to sit with each other um, and to think critically. Um, so practically, there are three things. One is to ask the questions okay, that now, you're asking. Now, what, what about the question that I asked was was off base? Tell me. No, I, I was trying to say the exact opposite. Um, oh, okay. Asking the very thing to do. And in particular, I was trying to double down to ensure that what I said earlier in terms of what I want to push on with love is something that I receive and I appreciate. Oh, sure, that is exactly sure. But, but I, I'm just letting you know that even when I when I when I air, tell me. And, and I, what I'm saying to you is that you have it. <laughs> that you were not, that having a, an open heart, uh, demonstrating compassion and competence, and seeking to understand and or to simply engage in conversation is what we all need to do more frequently. At this point, all of us should have friends that are incredibly diverse that can challenge us, that, that we can have conversations about seeking to learn about experiences that are foreign from ours. There are so many books and resources uh, that exist that have been written by members of our community that, that people should have and have access to. I referenced earlier Sambufu Some, who wrote The Spirit of Intimacy. I believe you and I have talked about her, her on this platform before. Mm -hmm. um, Young man Robert Patterson, who wrote a book um, called *The Prophet*. Um, um, there, there are films about our experience. I tell people all the time to watch *Moonlight* and the film *Pariah*. Um, moving past the 
the, the fear that some people learn, sometimes as a, a, a way that people have weaponized religion to suggest that we shouldn't be in community with us is really the core of it all. Um, and I want to offer up the National Black Justice Coalition. We're nbjc.org. There are a ton of resources that we have on our website that I hope are useful um, to people in this regard, including a terminology guide, uh, something that says, you know, here are terms that help to facilitate these types of conversations. Um, and here are terms that you should avoid. Um, you and I were talking um, uh, offline about an epidemiologist, and you mentioned the early challenges at the introduction of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Um, um, one of the things that vexes me is that black people are still dying as a result of HIV-AIDS today, which doesn't have, have to be the case. It's not just black queer people, it's black women, black straight women, black cis um, and so us talking about these things is an incredibly important step to us solving, addressing some of these persistent problems. You know, and dealing with, you know, discrimination in the medical community that persists. I have a dear friend who I had on the show um, who uh, I met over in Brussels. And before he went on the road, um, Dimitri, and we, we talked about this on my air, and he said, you know, I tried to get prep before I went on the road with the, the Book of Mormon. Brilliant, brilliant artist. And the doctor wouldn't give it to him. And then he contracted HIV. He's doing well, praise God. But I just, I think about that and just hearing that just infuriated me. I said, wait a minute. Here you wanted to get this, this prophylactic medicine and no one would give it to you? Are you serious right now? I felt like at the beginning of the, of the COVID crisis when black folks and brown folks and working class people could not get tested. So I want you to come back to the show so that we can continue to have these conversations and just help to open our eyes and so that we can begin to braid in all of these movements into one. Because as my father said more than 40 years ago, um, everybody's got a patch. (laughs) And your patch is strong, but it just ain't big enough. We have to stitch them all together and come up with a wonderful quilt. And that way, when you're safe, David Johns, then I'm safe. And when I'm safe, you're safe. I'm sending you much love today. Sending you much love. And thank you for being with us today. And consider this your home. Can't wait to have you back. Maybe one day you'll go through the terminology with us, right? Look forward to it. Okay, because you know this is an LGBTQ plus um, uh, affirmed station. So this is your home. Just remember that, okay? Thank you. I appreciate all of you. Sending you much love, my my dear, dear, dear. How can we get in contact with you? What is your website? I appreciate it. It's NBJC, the National Black Justice Coalition, dot O-R-G, and we are at NBJC on the move across digital platforms. Okay. That's where I'm signed up. There we go. Everybody sending you much love. And everybody call me at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about what's happening with the Supreme Court and Georgia. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Thanksgiving week. Yay! Monday, November 21st, 2022. Let us be mindful of those people 
who are without food. One in four Americans this year, sadly, will not be celebrating Thanksgiving. They cannot afford to buy the turkey and all of the fixings. You know, encourage people. uh, Maybe you might want to leave some food outside someone's door. Someone left groceries outside of my father's door. My my grandmother and uh, and grandfather were unemployed one Christmas, and and uh, Mr. Dave from down the street, a man who I got to know, who my grandmother, because she was literate and educated, um, she filled out his relief papers. And that particular Christmas, because he knew my grandparents were struggling and, and my great-grandmother, too, he went and brought them groceries and left it on the front porch. My grandmother wouldn't put it away because she said it didn't belong to us. We're going to find out who this belongs to. He said, no, it belongs to you because I just got my first check because of you. Oh, God is in the blessing business, everybody. Please bless somebody today. Bless somebody today. Certainly make sure that people know that there are places where they can go get a meal. But let us heal the structural inequalities that make it possible for one in four Americans not to get Thanksgiving meals this year. Something's not right. If it happens that frequently, there's something wrong with the system, not the people in it. I'm Santita Jackson. It's WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Call me at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about what's happening with the Supreme Court, and let's talk about Georgia. That's right. The Georgia seat is of tremendous consequence. And what's happened on the Supreme Court, this leak that lets you know the corruption in the court, the Supreme Court that basically goes unchecked. Got to talk about that with Attorney C.K. Hoffler and Attorney Aaron Connolly. Let's get right to these headlines, everybody. In Chicago, 44 degrees and sunny. And Minneapolis, St. Paul, 31 degrees, mostly sunny. In the NFL, a heartbreaker last night. Yes, I said it off mic. The Falcons, 27. The Bulls, excuse me, the Bears, 24. Oh, I mean, it was so close, everybody. It broke my heart. I mean, I'm, just, I'm still trying to get over it. But, wow. Minneapolis-St. Paul, ooh. The Cowboys, 40. The Vikings, 3. God bless. In the NBA, the Celtics will be playing the Bulls tonight, and the Heat will be playing the Timberwolves. And in the NHL, the Penguins, 5. Chicago, 3. Praying for all of our brothers and sisters out in Colorado. Details are still rolling in after a mass shooting at an LGBTQ plus nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado this weekend. 22-year-old gunman, a 22-year-old gunman. His name, and yes, I will call his name, is Anderson Lee Aldrich, 22 years of age. The lone suspect who walked into Club Q in Colorado Springs. Body armor, AR-style 15 um, rifle, and just started shooting people. He killed five, injured at least 25 others when he opened fire at this club, which was a safe space. The day before, the night before, they were going to have a transgender Day of Remembrance ceremony. God bless them, everybody. The gunman was subdued by two people in the club and is in police custody. We will be following the story on the Santita Jackson Show. The World Cup, everybody. The 2022 World Cup is underway in Qatar, set against a backdrop of controversy regarding the country's human rights record. In the years and months leading up to the event, critics have cast a wary eye on Qatar's treatment of migrant workers, its laws around homosexuality, and the attitudes around women. But the FIFA Cup is on the move. So before Sunday's kickoff, um, 
the fight for president Gianni Infantino went into an explosive tirade against Western critics of the event. The opening day of play marked the World Cup debut of the Qatari team, which fell to Ecuador 0-2. That's the first time that that has happened, everybody. Elon Musk has reinstated former President Donald Trump's Twitter account over the weekend after asking his followers, should he allow him back on the platform, yes or no? They overwhelmingly voted to put him back on, along with some other controversial persons. But we will see how all of this works. He's continuing his wave of controversial decisions as a social media platform's new owner. Um, Trimming the fat, if you will. Uh, Many people have said that Twitter itself um, was a money-losing proposition, and so... We're going to see how all of this all, how all of this works out. Let's get to what's happening on the Supreme Court. I think we need to find out what is the deal. There's a call for an ethics probe following this bombshell report from the New York Times. Advocates for court, court reform on Saturday call for Congress to investigate allegations that Supreme Court Justice Alito, who wrote the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision that struck down Roe v. Wade, uh, he leaked uh, that he leaked a 2014 ruling to a right-wing donor after the New York Times reported this. Everybody, what do you think about that? Uh, Reverend Ron Shank led an evangelical Christian nonprofit organization in 2014 when the court ruled on Hobby Lobby versus Burwell, which allowed religious organizations to deny employees health care coverage for contraception. And the Times spent months investigating, investigating uh, Reverend Shank's claim, which he also detailed in a letter to Chief Justice Roberts in June that Alito leaked the court's decision in the case to one of his top donors three weeks before the ruling was publicly announced. What do you think about that, everybody? I mean, this back and forth. Ah, I want to know, is it ethical? Of course it isn't. I'm not even a lawyer, and I know that attorney C.K. Hoffler and attorney attorney Aaron Connolly talked to me. C.K., what happened here? Well, what happened here was disgraceful. And I I say disgraceful because the U.S. Supreme Court is the top court of the land, the most powerful judicial entity that we have in this country. They decide what the law is ultimately – Cases get escalated up there. They set policy. They do a lot of things. And we expect the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, to be impartial. We expect them to be nonpartisan. We expect them to to really, really have the interests of the people at hand and to operate in a way that passed the smell test. I'm just going to get right basic. It passed the smell test. This does not pass the smell test. We knew. We knew. Because remember, there was a leak of the actual opinion, and they were blaming a staffer, blaming of this, blaming of that, and wanting to get to the bottom of who leaked it and felt that it was such a, a terrible aberration, a terrible breach of confidence in all of this. That's what the internal U.S. Supreme Court folks were saying. And, of course, it was a breach for it to be leaked because the Supreme Court and the way that it operates should be sacrosanct because, after all, it should be ruling in an impartial, objective way and following its own precedent. And with the Dobbs opinion, the Supreme Court deviated from its own precedent, basically said, you know, Roe versus Wade was wrong. We're overturning it. It's up to the state. So we know what that is. But now to have it come to full come full circle and have this revelation that Reverend Rob Schenick, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm Shank. Um, mm-hmm. Shank. 
Shank, um, mm-hmm. pronouncing his name. Um, he was quoted as saying that, you know, he had been informed weeks before the public announcement of the 2014 ruling while he was at a dinner at the home of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito and his wife. That is inexcusable and unacceptable. While the U.S. Supreme Court justices are not held to the same standard as other judges, they do really come typically from from the federal bench on some level, the federal, the Court of Appeals, you know, that's typically the, the, the pipeline for U.S. Supreme Court justices. They, like me, are lawyers. Like me, they're held to ethical standards. Like me, they're held to standards of professionalism in general, because every single lawyer who's a member of a bar is held to those standards. Now, when you do escalate up to the U.S. Supreme Court, we know that things are very fuzzy, very fluid. We see you have Supreme Court justices who do not recuse themselves when they clearly have a conflict. But, but CK, Justice CK, Clarence stop, stop, Thomas. slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, because I'm just a layperson here. How is it they're allowed to do that? Wait a minute. These people set the bar for our legal bar. system. They set the bar and then they don't meet it. They don't clear it. They don't they recuse don't. themselves from cases in which they have clear conflicts, conflicts of interest. Clear. I mean, th- this is not, Clarence Thomas is not the only one on the court doing this. They have all no, done this. The the court. They have no, book deals and they, will, they rule. I mean, even the liberal ones rule on, on, on a, what is it, on a book company with, with which at least one or two of them had contracts. I'm like, what are you doing? What is that? Right. Come on, how am I supposed to trust a system when this is happening at the highest well, level, CK? And that's why people don't trust the system. They okay. don't trust the U.S. Supreme Court. They don't trust the justices. They do think the U.S. Supreme Court has become a political animal where there are people that are on the U.S. Supreme Court who were put in there just for political purposes to neutralize one side or the other. So there's been a grave a grave wave of distrust for the U.S. Supreme Court right now. And that puts into question our entire system. You know, we, we were taught in civics, many of us were taught, that there's a judiciary, there's a legislative branch, and there's, so that, so that the judi- there's three branches of government. But for purposes of today, that judiciary is supposed to be part of the checks and balances of our system. A tripartite system, three branches of government, all intertwined, and they're all accountable to someone. But the U.S. Supreme Court appears not to be accountable to anyone. To anybody. On, no, because what are the ramifications? So what can we do? Now, we're asking for investigations. There, the people are asking for Congress to investigate. So let's say Congress investigates and finds that there's been some aberration. Something, I doubt they'll find something illegal, but some type of ethical or professionalism aberration or violation. Well, what, what's going to happen? You don't need to be a lawyer to know that something smells. But what would happen? What what power does the U.S. Congress or what power does the administration have to put the U.S. Supreme Court in check? What power does the executive branch have? What check, power does the legislative branch have to put the U.S. Supreme Court in check? I would say very limited powers, unless there's something that is so exceptional, like I don't know. And I don't even know if this was past muster. If a U.S. Supreme Court justice had a gun and shot someone in the head, well, perhaps that would shock the conscience. And perhaps then 
we could see where there could be action taken. But for something like this, which goes to the heart of the trust and the confidence that people have of the U.S. Supreme Court, I personally don't see where there will be accountability. I believe many of the justices have just run amok. And I want to start with, you know, I think Justice Alito, he has a lot to be, uh, has a lot to, to say. He has a lot to answer for. Will he answer for it? Probably not. He's not going to step down. But by the way, before this was leaked, I thought he had a lot to answer for anyway. That opinion reeked of partisanship. It reeked of, in my impression, racial animus. It reeked of gender animus. It reeked of um, animus towards anyone. And by the way, has he looked at himself in the mirror? I digress. CK, anyone. CK, no, 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 CK. They could be, but they can be impeached. Why do we not impeach them and then force well, them off the court? they can technically be impeached, but they're not going to be forced off the court. Let me just pose a question hypothetically. Mm. We have presidents who can be impeached. How many, how many presidents in, in recent history who have been impeached have actually been forced out of the presidency? Zero. Mm. And so... Based on the impeachment process, don't talk about Nixon because it didn't go through that way. We've had many presidents have been impeached, not once, but twice, but they have never been forced out of office. There's not, and and I hate to be a a voice of gloom and doom, but I'm a realist. The U.S. Supreme Court, this is atrocious. This is an embarrassment. You know, I went to law school like Aaron went to law school, like um, Dr. Yuri went to law school. And, and presumably it was to fight, well, for me, to fight for people who didn't have a voice, to make a difference, to make a change, to do something positive, not to just collect a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with just collecting a paycheck. But I went to law school for a lot of other reasons as well. And, and presumably when you are a public servant, you are giving your life as a professional to the public. You have to earn public trust. You get public trust. You escalate up. These Supreme Court justices, for the most part, have escalated up as public servants, as judges, and and they have been held as judges before they got to the U.S. Supreme Court to a level of ethics and professionalism because there is a check on federal judges, perhaps not as much as state judges and other judges, but federal judges and judges on the Court of Appeals, there is a check and balances. There is accountability. They will be held accountable for really bad behavior, violations, ethical and professional and otherwise. But when they escalate to the U.S. Supreme Court, where we feel that they should really have the highest integrity and preserve the, the rules of ethics and the rules of professionalism, we see that there is um, that the rules are very loosey-goosey and there really isn't anything that we can point to that can hold them accountable. So even if there is an impeachment process, I dare say that no U.S. Supreme Court court justice is going to be removed. And therein lies the problem. Accountability. Because if if there's no accountability for your actions, then you can just do what you want to do. And yes, we do trust people's integrity. But recently, we have seen with these justices, some of them, that I believe they're failing in their professionalism, ethics, and in some cases, integrity. So I think this is shameful, just shameful. CK, the problem you have is that when you have a January 6th and you don't contextualize it with the mistrust of our institutions, we're missing the point. We keep trying to make it about an individual instead of a general disappointment in the system itself. The system cannot work when you turn off the cameras in the courtroom of Jesse Smollett's trial. And when his lawyers say, hey, 
This lawyer lunged at me, but all the cameras are off. Are you serious right now? But in another courtroom, the cameras are on. I mean, come on. It's not just Clarence Thomas, but he's a shining example. And and there's something. There's. I mean, I'm just saying on that court, on the high court. How can I? We don't trust the high court. Most Americans don't trust the high court. That is dangerous. That is socially unsustainable, CK. But you know what? Wait a minute. So let's ask Aaron. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think, you know, this is an issue that I, I've been academically and intellectually obsessed with since uh, since college when I started my thesis process looking at the John Birch Society. And then one thing I, I started digging into and continue to, to look at um, is the influence that the Washington Post a couple years ago, I think it was 2019, did a great expose about the impact of right-wing nonprofit organizations and their donors coming together with the support of groups like the Heritage Foundation, a very powerful think tank in Washington, D.C., that makes it their priority to focus on judges and support their confirmation process, which has become like a political campaign. These groups have recognized this. They started 20 years ago in the Bush administration, where one of these um, one of these guys was working with uh, the associate uh, White House counsel, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, to push this agenda to get judges appointed and through the confirmation process on every at every level, as DK said. And this has become politicized. There is dark money that supports this movement. Um, and many of these groups are crossing some lines with regards to the impact um, of religious based money going into nonprofits, going into our political process. And there has to be a thorough investigation, a comprehensive investigation connecting these dots, right? Now we're seeing the accusations of an actual Supreme Court justice, not just one, but two potentially leaking information to not only media, but to top donors to influence public opinion and move the needle one way or another. And we need to know the truth of this. The the Supreme Court is, as DK eloquently and elegantly uh, summarized for us, is supposed to be neutral. There is supposed to be a separation of that branch of government that gives the people a sense of when our political side of our system in the executive and legislative branches, we all know those those two branches can get a, a little out of hand sometimes. And we have to have that trust, that neutrality of our, our third branch of government to be able to be neutral enough to not tip the scales unfairly enough. And there has been times in our history where that has not always occurred, but this is a different level of crisis. And without a thorough investigation, without some true accountability for folks, whether those are staffers, whether those are clerks on the court that are participating in this process, we need to have a full understanding of of what that means and be able to take whether that's an action for um, impeachment of these justices, whether that's enough political and public pressure for them to be embarrassed enough to step down and not do damage to the Supreme Court if they have any respect for that institution and what it stands for in our in our history and what it means 
for our republic. Um, that doesn't seem to be likely based on um, uh, what we've seen from Justice Thomas, especially, and the the actions of he and his wife, Virginia Thomas, which we talked about many times on your show, Santita. Not a big fan of Virginia Thomas and, and her influence upon the court. No. No. These things need to have a light, a spotlight on them. We need to know the truth, and we need to be able to build up that trust again. I think the the articles we see about this leak, about this potential investigation, are doing serious damage to the legacy of Chief Justice John Roberts and his, his court. And I think what we will look at when we review his tenure as Chief Justice, there's been more 5-4 opinions than ever. He has not mm-hmm. been able to build any sort of... Um, consensus or, uh, you know, camaraderie among those justices that create the type of lab environment where we're really digging into big legal issues and doing what's what's right for the law. There is a there is an answer in all of this. And what we've allowed is justices who bring their religious and political opinions influenced by dark money and influenced by whomever is paying off their credit card bills. And they're making decisions based on that instead of the Constitution and the legal precedent set by case law in the United States. Well, you know what? I, what do you think, everybody? Jewel and Paul, I'm going to come to you. I know you have you have comments about guns and all kinds of things, and I'm going to take those comments. But what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Maybe you know. Maybe we'll get to uh, Senator Warnock and everybody tomorrow, CK. But I mean, because I think this is big. This is really, really big. If you want to look at all of this social unrest and instability in America, this is part of the reason. Part of the reason. Not only are people mistrustful of the court, the court is not trustworthy. The Supreme Court. That's dangerous. Back with more at the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Talking about mm, the Supreme Court and just are they do they have integrity? So many of us believe that they do not. Um, and now we're seeing that the Supreme Court... Um, is investigating an extraordinary leak this spring of the uh, of the decision that overturned the Roe v. Wade decision, okay? But in a letter to Chief Justice, let me read to you from the New York Times, in a letter to Chief Justice John G. Roberts, Jr., and in interviews with the New York Times, the Reverend Rob Schenck said he was told the outcome of the 2014 case, the Hobby Lobby case, weeks before it was announced, but here it goes now, everybody. He used that information. He then used that information to prepare a public relations push. Records show. And he said that at the last minute, he tipped off the president of Hobby Lobby. This was the case that was before the court. His case, the craft store um, chain owned by Christian Evangelicals, that was the, and they ended up winning the case. Hmm. What do you think about that? Now, there are calls for ethics probes, multiple, of the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think that needs to happen, everybody. 
I think that needs to happen, and we need to talk about that. We need to talk about the integrity that is not that is non-existent on the U.S. Supreme Court. How can we trust the system if you have all of this inside dealing with Supreme Court justices, including the chief? They tell their friends, and oh, we're going to work this out. Are you serious? In the Supreme Court? And these men and women have lifetime appointments, and it's hard to get them out of those jobs. Are you for real? And they don't accuse themselves from cases where they have conflicts of interest? Really? How does that work? How's that supposed to work? They already don't have co- they already don't have cameras in the courtroom. C.K. and uh, Attorney C.K. Hofflin, Attorney Aaron Connolly, and Reverend Dr. Todd Yuri, because you so you can't see. They're so sacred you can't see inside the courtroom that you're paying for. Oh, seven seven three Because see, I want to see what they're doing. I want to see their facial expressions. I want to see all of it, and I want to know what their interests are. And they don't have to say anything to anybody, and they don't. Shameful. Jewel, what's on your mind, sweetie? Yes, good morning, Shanita. Good morning, darling. Happy Thanksgiving. I just want to say, thank you. I just want to, you see, you get me to it. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. You're so quick. Oh, no. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, your father and Rainbow Push and everything that you've been doing. And I'm so thankful for your, your show. You know, I am just so delighted. We wanted to wake up and post this year, your show, Sunita. And um, yesterday, uh, Barbara Allwine was on WPLS Open Line in New York. Yes, Mm -hmm. getting out the word for the voters in Georgia to be mindful to make sure that they have their votes together for December 6th. Because I understand they're not aware that they had to vote again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many, many, many voters are not aware that that the that there is a runoff, and that they must vote. Uh, they must vote once more. They don't know. Yes. I just I just wanted to say that again on the air, so this way we can make sure that they're mindful of that. You know, well, like you know to we're going to be talking again. about it tomorrow, Jewel. We are. We're going to really be pushing that tomorrow. Okay. Yes, that's very crucial. That's extremely important because, you know, we need a lot of things to go forward. And uh, that's uh, the crucifix of it. You know, we have to get that first. Mm. I love you, Jewel. I love and you. Happy Thanksgiving, my dear sister. <laughs> you call Thank back you tomorrow, are. okay, when we talk about this. Most definitely. Thanks, and I will have a blessed day. You too. I loved I loved Jewel. I saw her when I was up in New York, and she was at that event where you and I were, CK, and and, and Reverend Dr. Yuri. At the stock exchange, and I just, I just love Jewel. Everybody, let's talk about this call for an ethics probe following this bombshell report. I mean, uh, Doctor Reverend Shank recruited wealthy donors, and he encouraged them to invite some of their justices, some of the justices, to have dinner to their vacation homes or to private clubs. I mean, he got real. He buddied up with them, and the justices did not say no. The justices said yes. Justice? Are you serious, Reverend Doctor Yuri? What do you make of this? Uh, this yet another breach of the court. We're beginning to see a lot of um, things that we don't want to see, but it's real, Reverend Doctor Yuri. Well, there's the breach of the court. There's the wider issue. Good morning, first, Santita, to you and your guests. I mean, it's such a, uh, an important issue to look at, right? Because attempts to influence the political process writ large, right? Not just how policies made, 
but who sits in positions to oversee how policy is enforced. That's not a new thing. We never really had anyone to say that our suspicions had been confirmed. Here it appears that uh, there's someone who is willing, for whatever reason, to uh, confirm that this isn't new. I would say that uh, that part that is not new isn't really shocking. Uh, we just haven't been able to prove it. Our gut has always told us that there really can't be a way that some of the things that we hear uh, coming out of these different institutions somehow uh, don't align with what should be done, that there's somebody who's benefiting uh, from these decisions when they come down. The question becomes, what do you do about it, right? And here's where there's a quick bridge while we're talking about how you vote in Georgia. The issue becomes uh, the oversight. And while uh, judges, federal judges, do uh, get uh, uh, to the Supreme Court, get lifetime appointments, that there's also impeachment power, right? There's still that possibility if, by chance, there is uh, enough courage in the legislative body uh, to pursue that as, as, an, as an angle, right? So the real question is, one, how do you clean up the institution, but whether or not in the Senate uh, there is a willingness to look at this uh, to make sure that there's, there's not this ongoing uh, uh, hands-off approach uh, to how we handle things that, that may go on on the court. This last breach when the Dobbs decision was coming down, I think that was just a, a very, very likely a process where, oops, uh, we, didn't, we didn't follow the same kind of protocol we had done before. I really don't think that this is uh, the first time. Clearly, the, the Hobby Lobby decision was a critical decision uh, in its time. But there are other decisions along the way, and, and as the, the court has become more politicized, whether folks want to like it, uh, like it or not, the truth of the matter is, is that the questioning of Supreme Court nominees has always kind of orbited around this very narrow set of rulings uh, where you would get this interesting and curious response, like, do you think Brown versus Board of Education was rightly decided? Remember, Alito was very avoidant of that question. Many of them have been. So we should we should be uh, diligent and wary of whatever comes out of the investigation and really make sure that we don't just have a silent conversation about uh, how the court operates with the court. We also have to have an accountability conversation with those who are going to be in the Senate to make sure that the people's voice through their elected representatives is actually carried out to make sure that they're not hoodwinked, they're not bamboozled, they're not shucked and jived uh, in this process. Well, you know, I mean, I absolutely agree with you, but I think that we also have to we have to educate the American public. This government really is up for and by us. That's we just don't act like it and we don't act upon it. The fact is, we do have recourse, Reverend Dr. Yeary, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, Attorney Aaron Connolly. We can impeach people and we actually do have the power to get people out of office. Sometimes I think, you know, as, as Nelson Mandela said, our light is just too frightening for us. The power that we wield because we have a problem. I mean, I, I understand how monarchies exist and oligarchies exist because we have a tendency to elevate people above ourselves. Don't do it with God as much. <laughs> we do it and with Tita, people. Yes. I mean, this is Tita, ridiculous because we, we do have recourse, CK. We do. We do. But, but I just have to say, did Dr. Todd Neary say 
hoodwinked, bamboozled, and all Run that. Run Let astray. Run, run and jive. I just had to go back on the bamboozled. Hoodwink. Look, I, I saw the I saw the bow tie, and I see, I'm going to see him out with the bean pie. <laughs> the final call. And I'm saying that with all love to my brothers and sisters in the nation of Islam. You know I love you. Hello. <laughs> yeah, don't play with that bean pie, though. That bean pie is for real. Don't play with the nation. The nation protected my family when these folks were trying to <laughs> trying to kill us during the 84 and 88 campaign. They <laughs> in 84, so I just thank y'all. Much love, much love. <laughs> Ooh, that's no joke. I'm going to have run shortly, but I just wanted to say this. We have got to, of course we have power, but power, if we don't, if we don't use the power, Thank you. and if we don't demand accountability, then there will be no accountability. And the U.S. Supreme Court is just doing what it wants. And I, and I really feel badly for Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, because she is someone who does have integrity. She is someone who is the type of justice that we need to encourage on the U.S. Supreme Court. And we need to bring people back in line. That's what I believe. Look, I agree. I agree. I'm, but I'm saying, you know what? She will not be safe if the corruption on the court is not called out. And if people are not told what it is that they can do to get these justices off the court who are unjust. We have well, to know that we have the power to make these institutions upright and right. We have the, we have the power to do that. CK, you want to say anything before you run out of here and do court TV? Can we see you on court TV today? You can. You can see me. I'll be on at 9, 9 to 10 o'clock this morning. Which is 8 o'clock our time. That's right. 8 o'clock your time. What I wanted to say is this. It's important to vote. People have to understand that there's a connection between the U.S. The voting, the U.S. senators that we elect. We saw the confirmation hearings and who ultimately sits on the U.S. Supreme Court. There's a there's also a connection with who we elect as president, as we saw with former President Trump and all the people that he put on the U.S. Supreme Court. So we have to be very cognizant that it's all connected. But we also have to realize that the accountability for the U.S. Supreme Court justices right now is non-existent because we, the people, haven't pushed for there to be accountability. Yes, there's a vehicle. Yes, there's a way. But they haven't been held accountable. And I'm not so optimistic unless there's a dramatic change. And the only way a dramatic change happens is if the people mandate and say it must be so. Amen. And that's, and we're about empowering the people. That's the only way America's going to work. <laughs> You've got, you got to get involved, people. I know we are working from sunup from sun, from sun to sunup again. I get it. But the, reasons, the, the reason this kind of corruption, Aaron, and I'm sending you much love, CK, everybody, just in a few minutes at the end of this show, tune into Court TV because that's where you're going to see CK for an hour today. Um, Aaron, I mean, you, as an academic, I mean, you're a lawyer, but you're also you're a part of your academic work has been looking at this what do you th- where do where do we go from here i mean what do you what do you want to see the people do because you are a political organizer i mean you you understand also the politics of this and what americans need to be doing it is socially unsustainable it is very very dangerous for us to trust nothing in this system reverend dr yeary for us to trust nothing in this system attorney aaron connelly it is very very dangerous for me to walk into a courtroom and say first of all i don't even trust you 
It's dangerous for the police not to be trusted. It's dangerous for the whole system not to be trusted. And then you wonder where January 6th comes from. Are you serious? And, and there are lots of little January 6th happening all over the place. They almost took over the legislature up in, up in Michigan. And that's not the end of it. Attorney Aaron Connolly, this is awful. You, it is. It is. And, and as you said, it, it's, it's all connected, right? When we start um, seeing that there are cracks in our, our system and our process, which there always have been, our system is built <laughs> on white supremacy, first of all. So there's that. But when we, we take a look at these institutions and what they've, what they've been able to um, do over the last 20 years specifically, let's take a look at that, that chunk of history. Um, when we look at our court systems at the, the local level, state level, up all the way up to the Supreme Court, the dangerous piece of this is part of the goal is to create this, this, this mistrust, which allows these nefarious influences to, to come into an otherwise protected realm. And CK is absolutely right when she says that, you know, trust in the government, in our Congress, in our executive branch, and in our Supreme Court is, is at a low level. It's not just the, the courts that we're questioning. But what's different is the, the public has always been a, more mistrustful of our two other legislative and executive branches than they have of the court. There's been, we've been able to maintain some sort, some sense of decorum, some sense of separation, some sense of neutrality. This is a different ballgame now. And what we see with Roe v. Wade is people that haven't necessarily been reading the SCOTUS blogs or listening to the Heritage Foundation podcast or reviewing the approved judge, judges list that these think tanks come out with every year, looking at the money donated to the senators who are on these committees confirming judges, as we saw uh, during the Trump administration, was quicker than than anything we've ever seen, the types of confirmations that we're going through. And the dangerously unqualified folks who were clearly partisan being appointed to these positions. So when a, a decision like Roe v. Wade has such a strong impact, not just on women in this country and people that are, are pregnant, but on physicians, on their livelihood, on our medical system as a whole, and the companies and entrepreneurs that are trying to innovate in that system and doing good things. When the Supreme Court is impacting them, other people start looking at how, how is the system working? How, how is this allowed to happen? And when we see more cracks like this, when we, and there's no sense of accountability, when we talk about the influence of Justice Thomas, and the fact that he is not uh, recusing himself from very, very important decisions that, that he should, right? We take then Judge uh, Brown Jackson, interest. right? <laughs> and we look at Judge Brown Jackson, who has less of a conflict of interest, yet is recusing herself from deciding those cases. So it's just basic basic pieces that our legal system and attorneys throughout this country have to follow more stringent guidelines than our own Supreme Court. And what we need to see is an investigation of this process. The The fear is because the mistrust is, is, is so deep in our, um, in our Congress and in our system, we need to say what... Okay, I can hear something in the background. Okay. All right. 
Very good. What questions will be brought up with regard to how this investigation um, conducts itself? So we have to make sure that that the investigation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How the Supreme Court's going to conduct the investigation? Because they are accountable to no one, and that is dangerous, Aaron. Right. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. But what we can do, what we can do, if this if this infuriates you as much as it it does to me, there are um, Mm -hmm. local chapters um, that are are organizing around defending the Constitution, the principles of the Supreme Court. And it's important to have these these conversations. It's important to support judicial candidates that you know uphold the rule of law, that are endorsed by the, the bar, local bar associations, that have, um, have approval from um, these watchdog groups that aren't taking any sort of dark money from from influential organizations and folks tied to some of these more nefarious influential um, uh, values, right? So we have to do our research. Judicial races are political in many, many states. And we there's a very important one up in Wisconsin. So we have to look at putting our political organizing power into those races as well to ensure that we have people of integrity and who support the true rule of law, honor the Constitution, and will not take this dark money as many of these folks do. So that, mm. that's, that's the next battle that we have to look at. Well, I mean, in getting educated about these judges... <laughs> Uh, Reverend Dr. Yuri, I mean, as as Attorney Aaron Connolly is saying, we need to know who they are. But, you know, we really need to start. And I think looking at the Supreme Court at this time is so important because I think that if we really begin to examine it and and deconstruct it, not destroy it, deconstruct it and then reconstruct it, I think that it will make it easier for us to to deal with the court system just overall, you know, because it's we have got to look at these judges and it's not just Justice Clarence Thomas. We've got to look at these justices who rule on cases where they have clear conflicts of interest and they just keep on going. You can have this happen. We're talking about something that happened in 2014. (laughs) Reverend Dr. Yuri Esquire. I mean, my goodness. So it makes me look at, okay, wait a minute. What about the Cruikshank decision? What about all these decisions? Who are you people? And how are you making decisions that most Americans with which we disagree? Most Americans at least support choice. Choice. How are you all coming up with this? How are you coming up with well, these decisions? I mean, I, I, what? I got about so, two minutes. They're, they're yours. Just very quickly on on the influence, right? The Supreme Court does not uh, monitor poll, right? The polling of the court is is what's closest to them, right? That's why the influential could have an audience. If you look at uh, uh, Reverend Doctor Shank's letter. Uh, to the justice, he said, "I've met you several times." Hello. But I was clo- I was close enough to have you. So who who gets in at your vacation space? home in the private club over dinner over lunch? Let me go back and take you back a little bit to a turn where there was a news story that one uh, executive office holder 
who happened to have been vice president at the time, and uh, Justice Alito like to go hunting together. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to put that right there. Right? So when, when, when we start looking at uh, how, how these, these things don't cross-pollinate, they cross-contaminate, and here's how they do it. Uh, one, one controls the scrutiny, the other controls the outcome. And when there is no accountability put in place by the people's choosing, right? And here's where you've got to have elected officials of courage. At the end of the day, it does no good to have rules if no one's going to abide by them. And so part of this conversation, as we're looking at these various offices, and Aaron is exactly right, we've got to start making the, the, the preparation to vote at the local, state, and federal level has to be a, a collective enterprise. One, mm-hmm. when you get there, you, you've seen the commercials, but you haven't seen the entire ballot. And then when you get the ballot, you're overwhelmed by all of the questions that it's asking you, including which judges do you retain, which judges do you get rid of. That requires an engaged and intentional process of research and discussion amongst people who share interests so that then they can have a more informed voice about what's happening within their political and judicial system. Well, you know what, everybody? I think we need to step back. Look, America is yours. It's yours. It belongs to you. But you got to act like it. You need to take ownership. We need to start looking at these institutions. And I don't want to destroy them. I want to deconstruct them and reconstruct them so that they can be the just institutions that they really ought to be. But we have, it requires you, this is a very mature form of government. Very mature. And I'm not downing anybody else, but what I'm saying to you is this. America requires you and your involvement. Otherwise, America does not work. This project does not work without you, without your being registered to vote, without your fighting for people once they've paid their debt to society to be able to get back in and vote again. We have got to eliminate slavery in America. No prisoner, no human being should be enslaved, even when you're in prison. That shouldn't happen. We're the ones who have the control. Justice Alito doesn't have the control. Justice Roberts does not have the control. Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas does not have the control. Justice Katanji Brown doesn't have the control. You have the control. You have the power. Get registered to vote. Get serious about the vote and find out who you're voting for. They work for you. The president works for you, for heaven's sake.